coming up this week on Breaking Badness. Today we discuss why keeping your database secure is like herding cats. Next up, the crux of the matter. The Lazarus Group releases a multi-purpose malware framework. And finally, our fun game, Two Truths and a Lie. With that, Breaking Badness is next. Welcome to Breaking Badness, episode number 54, recorded on July 27th, 2020. I'm your co-host, Kelsey. Janie's got a pun, LaBelle. With me, co-host Chad, release the wise Kraken, Anderson. And last, but not least, Tarek, making a mountain out of a malware sala. Welcome back, everybody. It's good to be here with you all. Yeah, likewise. Did you enjoy your summer break? Yeah, I did. It's uh, been super nice out. So anytime it's nice, it's always fun taking uh, my dog out for some walks. Yeah, my uh, house was the same as it was before. So, uh, you know, I'm just enjoying every day here. (laughs) A very helpful update for us, Chad. So much has changed for you. (laughs) Yep, still in the basement. Still Um, in the basement. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, now that we've already made sure everyone knows that Tarek is a dog person, it feels really natural to dive into our first article back on Breaking Badness, which is why keeping your database secure is like herding cats. Um, So hundreds of unsecured databases exposed on the public web are the target of an automated meow attack that destroys data without any explanation. So, Chad, what can you tell us about this game of cat and mouse? And is this the first known meow attack? Words I never thought I would utter in my adult life. Uh, I, I got to say, I really, uh, I really like the meow attack, and I hope it becomes a thing. I hope getting meowed is up there with getting owned um, at some point. But um, certainly, people have targeted, uh, you know, open databases before and just deleted indices, like in this case on Elasticsearch, or um, I think Elasticsearch and MongoDB is what this meow attack is targeting. Um, but this is the first time that I uh, know of that things have been renamed with a uh, random name dash meow um, after they've been deleted. So um, yeah, I think this is the first known meow attack. As far as calling cards go. (laughs) Yeah, it's a real pounce. It's good. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, it's so good to be back. (laughs) It is. (laughs) So how did they discover this meow attack? Um, yeah, um, well, it was really a, a per fix situation, um, but the security researcher, Bob Diachenko, um, he found it while looking at the logs for UFO VPN, which is one of the VPN providers that came out, uh, or what, there was news on them. I think this last week on they, they all claim they don't keep their logs as they all do. Um, you know, they all claim they don't keep logs. But uh, then they were exposed online, uh, their entire log database um, with, online without authentication. Um, so um, I think that was where he first noticed it, according to his Twitter. Um, and uh, that's, yeah, where, where the meow started, where it all began. The kitten, if you will. <laughs> just perfect timing. Yeah. Yeah. They, and now it's just will. littering the whole Internet. Oh, with these problems. yeah. 
man, I'm feline good. Yeah. God. <laughs> this, after two weeks off, it's just all bottled up and it's going it to be is. painful for everybody. It's, I have like an unhealthy number of puns that have just been packed deeper and deeper down into my sense of self. So they're all mm. just going to explode on this episode. And that's great. That's why we chose to talk about this article. Let's be honest. There's a so much. A pun cano. Yes, indeed. <laughs> so did the researcher provide any additional details about the attacker or their objective? Um, n- not really, but um, I, you know, I'm just doing a little bit of speculating here. And, uh, you know, there was a little while ago, several years now, where there was a huge cable modem vulnerability and the, the providers weren't fixing it. Um, and someone just went around and hacked all these cable modems and patched them. Uh, I, I think this is probably a little bit along the... Uh, same lines where someone misguidingly is um, thinking they're doing something that's good. You know, like there's a lot of uh, ransomware going around right now um, where, you know, these databases get popped and then, um, you know, uh, all this user data is either being sold on cybercrime forums or, or you know, being leveraged to go against these companies. Um, and I think this person's probably just thought like, well, you know, one way to fix this is just start deleting things everywhere until um, companies get wise and start putting passwords on by default. Um, so that would be my speculation and guess. But there really isn't any, you know, concrete objective or anyone knows who the attacker is at this point. I mean, to be fair, it's a healthy response to 2020 to just be like, let's de- let's just delete. Yeah, that's a really good that's a good <laughs> point. Yeah, they're they're doing it right. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not being more positive. Hmm. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, is there any rhyme or reason as to who is being targeted, especially with how little we know at this point? Have they? Has there been any insight there? Yeah, it's, you know, um, it's a lot of just open Elasticsearch and MongoDB instances, um, which you can find most of those on Shodan. Um, But uh, some people have been spinning up honeypots and finding that it's finding them a little bit quicker than, um, you know, they're cropping up on Shodan, I believe, um, from some of the Twitter threads I read. So maybe that it's doing like some active scanning across the whole Internet. You know, you can use ZMAP to scan the whole Internet for one port in like under an hour. Um, So... Uh, maybe just like going around and looking for these things, but it is people who have these unauthenticated databases and um, they're just like leaving the data hanging out there. So, um, and I think it's spreading to support more databases for deletion now too. So uh, it's probably just, you know, getting more and more complex. Having more support usually feels like a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Never in this podcast. Features. <laughs> yeah. Never has a feature been to delete so much code. Uh, <laughs> In this case, definitely a bug, definitely a bug, not a feature. Um, (laughs) So what was the overall impact then of this specific attack that we're talking about today? And again, is that something that is known? How much of a catastrophe was this, would you say? Um, uh, yeah, so, um, 4,000 plus databases, uh, have been deleted so far, um, and, you know, further research, like I was saying, or, uh, is that it's finding new databases that get spun up. Um, so it, that's that's the impact so far as the last time that I looked. Um, uh, so a lot of data has gone missing. Um, you know, hopefully the further impact will be that some people decide to uh, actually put authentication on their um, publicly facing databases if they need to. You know, really, they should never be facing publicly anyways 
I think you and Tarek need to invest your time in hunting down these meow attacks and you need to read, you know, just mess with a honeypot and actually make a, a, a cat nip, mm. if you will. Yeah. And just summon the <laughs> meow attack. I think, I think, yeah, that's a really good use of your time. Yeah. Um, uh, what's the quote from uh, hackers? It's like rabbit flu shot. Somebody talk to me. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, oh boy. Yeah, that's a unique catnip to counteract. Uh, yeah, obviously it makes sense. Uh, that would be the name catnip.x. Just double click it, you're fine. Oh my gosh. Well, my last question for you before we get into the hoodie ratings is um, with how little is currently known. Uh, about the attacks what can organizations do to help protect themselves uh stop leaving open databases on the internet um that's the that's the main one um you know and obviously you want to be scanning like your um your address space uh looking because these things can happen accidentally certainly you know like there it could be a you know well-intentioned junior developer just tries to spin something up for a test database whatever in aws and it's exposed um, it happens, but um, that's why you need to actively be crawling your um, your space and looking for these kind of things. Um, hopefully, you've set up your infrastructure uh, well enough that that can't be an accident. But you know, like yeah, stuff happens. That's that's the name of the game. So just be looking for it. Chad, that sounded like an awfully specific story. Is there something you want to come clean about from your earlier days? Oh, gosh. In, in my <laughs> early operations days, I, I made lots of mistakes. I Yes, I may or might not have taken down some 911 services. Uh, well Chad, I appreciate your humility. I almost yeah. said your humiliation. That's yeah. very, very different. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Uh, whoopsie daisies. Well, okay, with all of that in mind, Tarek, now you've heard Chad's spiel on Meow Attack. Um, you've gotten behind the the mind of the Meow Attacker. What would you rate this hoodie-wise from that scale of 0 to 10, 10 being very, 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 very bad in number of hoodies? You know, uh, I think that th this is first off like a super reoccurring problem, um, and it's been happening for decades now. Um, you know, I love to think that we're, uh, that I want to downplay this uh, and give this like a really low hoodie rating. But, you know, time and time again, we're seeing open exposed services with like no authentication, whether it's like Elasticsearch, whether it's like Mongo or even S3 buckets. Um, I'm going to give this one an eight out of 10. I mean, this is still like part of that continuing trend, that continuing problem. And it's uh, as simple as it is to fix and remediate. It's uh, still biting us all collectively in the butt. So eight out of ten. Would you agree with that, Chad? Um, yeah, you know, I want to give it. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it a little bit modified here. I think it's like eight out of ten in like the you know section of the hoodie, but it really, like Tark said, it's kind of dumb and shouldn't be happening. Um, I think we've got like a, a hoodie just shredded by cat claws here, and it looks you know, like a full eight tenths of a hoodie, but it's actually like five tenths of a hoodie um, when you really consider how much fabric has been removed. Uh, this, this is just like a, yeah, it, it's 
it, it's just a recurring issue. It just keeps happening. Um, he's totally right. And it, hopefully it'll go away at some point, but it, it, it just seems silly that it keeps happening. I, I don't know. I've, I've never spun up a database and like been like, I'm going to expose it to the public internet and not put authentication on it. So I don't know why anyone thinks that's a good idea. It's uh, it just reminds me of that quote. It's like, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Oh. That's, how, that's how I feel yeah. every time it happens. Yeah. <laughs> I'm it's funny, Jed, that that's where your mind went with the shredded hoodies. First of all, that sounds kind of nice because right now it's like smoldering in Seattle, Washington, which happens like five days a year. And of course, there's no air conditioning to be found anywhere. So I do kind of like the breathability of that hoodie that you're referring to. But oh, yeah, it's good. Yeah, right. I mean, we all need that right now. Um, if we're going to be wearing a hoodie, apparently, which we've already set ourselves up for sick or for failure, not for success <laughs> for heat situation. Um but more importantly, I like to imagine cats wearing hoodies. And I'm not a big cat person, but I find that quite cute to imagine. Perhaps that's just me. Yeah, that's just you. I, just, you know, I don't like cats. There's not a, not a worthy animal uh, of any kind. It, no good. So you wouldn't. You're making a lot of enemies with our viewers, I bet. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I don't get the cat love on Reddit. None of that. It's uh, it's not for me. The the internet obsession with cats. It's done. Like maybe if they were into chickens, chickens are at least useful. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't get I don't get the cat love. <laughs> we're gonna find a catalyst to you enjoying cats. I'm gonna find the perfect internet meme or GIF, and I will change your mind. All right. My words. You can send me an entire catalog of those <laughs> things, and I still not care. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! You know what's? Um, I don't know why this tickles me so much, but amongst my family members, we have different pets, and I do receive quite a few letters from my brother and sister-in-law's cats hating on my dog, and it really does upset the balance between pets. I'm. I mean, I am tilting more your way, Chad, every time. Dogs are the say. superior animal. I mean, just ask Roland. Uh, <laughs> You're not wrong, Chad. You're yeah. not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I never disagreed with you. <laughs> Don't add us, please, Internet. Do not add us. <laughs> all right. Before we lose all of our audience, potentially, or any viewers that are affected by Chad's cat hate, we will move on to the next article, which is the crux of the matter. So the North Korea-linked APT known as Lazarus Group has debuted an advanced multi-purpose malware framework called MATA, or M-A-T-A, to target Windows, Linux, and Mac OS operating systems. So tar- the Lazarus Group is heavily covered in our podcast and pretty well known, but I always think it's helpful to have some gentle reminders. So can you give us some brief background on this group? Yeah, totally. So um, I think by now, everyone's kind of collectively in the security community. Um, even if you're not in the security community, you, you generally know about the attacks that the Lazarus Group has been responsible for. So Lazarus Group is the APT group um, associated with the North Korean government. Um, US CERT calls them Hidden Cobra, um, kind of a cool name too. And uh, Microsoft refers to them as uh, Zinc, as the threat group name. Uh, so they go by a couple different aliases, but you know they really... Uh, came to fame around 2014 with that massive Sony breach. Um, you know, we also know that they're uh, generally responsible for the massive WannaCry ransomware um, attacks that, you know, generated millions of dollars for uh, Lazarus Group. Um, and then in 2019, they also stole 
49 million dollars from a Kuwaiti institution. Um, so they're they're a pretty diverse group in, in their tools, techniques, and procedures. Um, but they've been around for a while, and they've uh, definitely made their presence known on news cycles. I think a missed opportunity in security is when you're renaming an APT, coming up with an alias, if you will. You should call it Jennifer Gardner. <laughs> I'm very upset somebody has not done that yet. I'm just putting that grievance out to the security community so you can write it. In fact, I expect you two to, to solve this, please. This is more <laughs> urgent than the catnip. <laughs> this is important, people. P1. <laughs> Jira ticket is being written now. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. <laughs> all right, so let's dive into more recent news. So what have the researchers at Kaspersky uncovered? Yeah, this is really interesting stuff that was kind of uncovered. Um, so like you already mentioned, Kelsey, Mata is a malware framework. Um, and what a malware framework generally is, is usually several like programs or applications um, that have different functions for the entire attack lifecycle kind of bundled together into one package, if you will. So this really allows like threat actors or, you know, pen testers to um, generate their own unique malware payloads and, and handle communications uh, between the payloads, you know, via the C2s and a bunch of other tasks. And so, um, you know, while we don't have access to the Mata framework that Kaspersky uncovered, you know, a lot of us are really familiar with the uh, attack framework Metasploit. It's been around for a long time. So that's a that's if you want to use that as a as a good comparison, that's that's kind of what Mata um, appears to be, just something that's generated by Lazarus Group and used by Lazarus Group. And so Kaspersky went ahead and uncovered that and um, had some really interesting uh, attributions and artifacts that they were able to associate with Lazarus. Um, and I know we're, we'll talk about that a little bit later, too. Excellent. Well said, Tarek. And I'm curious as to who the common targets are of this new framework that you've seen popping up. Yeah, what was really interesting is that um, the victims identified that, you know, and keep in mind, this is stuff that is publicly, uh, something we're publicly aware of. I'm sure that, like, the geographic location of victims that we don't know of are probably several more, one can assume. But the ones that we know about are um, in Germany, Poland, Turkey, India, South Korea, and Japan. And so that's pretty diverse, and there isn't too much commonality there. Some of the victim industries, um, there really isn't commonalities there either. So um, I know e-commerce and an ISP were um, two of the publicly known uh, victims here. And although that's not really too surprising with Lazarus Group, if we take a look at what their, you know, previous victims have been, it's been very wide in scope, you know. And that's generally how a lot of successful ransomware operations go, is that they kind of just, you know, uh, look for tons of uh, wide in scope targets and just casting that wide net. And uh, I think we're seeing that here, too. Interesting. And speaking of that, it sounds like there are multiple versions of Mata, can you go into some detail about these variations? Yeah, so really the, the variations that were kind of caught in the wild all come down to um, a package for the victim operating system. So across every uh, computer network, whether that's like for businesses or even home use, everyone's got their own kind of diverse set of like computers. Like you have Apple devices, you've got, you know, Windows devices and even Linux, right? And and that goes for like both laptops and computers as well as servers as well. So you have like a big OS diversity. And Mata, um, much like how 
Empire Framework and um, uh, Kodiak and Metasploit kind of all offer these other, you know, attack frameworks operate. There is that, that diversity of OSs. Um, and so that's what Mata kind of comes into. You're able to generate payloads and malware and things like and handlers and listeners for each of the victim uh, operating systems. Um, in addition to that, too, what was really interesting is that um, a lot of the uh, different versions that were seen in the wild also came bundled together with unique exploits and other tools used for post-exploitation. Like SoCat was detected um, in a lot of, in even like the window or even in the Linux um, uh, version caught in the wild. Um, so um, it's really like an entire uh, platform of tools that are dropped um, for post-exploitation activities. So I'm curious then how all of this has been linked to Lazarus, because that is what began this conversation with. So how did, how did Kaspersky go about that? Yeah. Um, so one, I mean, there's the obvious ways to do um, thread attribution, right? Which is like, look at the infrastructure. You know, if you have a domain or an IPv4 that's, you know, associated with an attack and you look for those kind of obvious reuses, um, you know, APT groups are a lot more um, smart than that. They design their systems to be a lot more um, less uh, easy to attribute. And so you kind of have to jump to the next level. And that's what Kaspersky did here, where you jump into the code reuse and, and some of the artifacts dropped on the systems. So when you're analyzing malware, you look for uniqueness in each of those malware samples. And, that, and Kaspersky did that. There's two specific and very unique file names that are used in Mata payloads. Um, that were detected that were also seen in previous uh, Lazarus malware samples. So um, these unique strings are unique enough that um, the confidence level that you have in saying that the mod of malware is associated with uh, previous Lazarus malware is pretty high. Um, you don't just, I mean, the, the coincidence is too strong there. Um, and architecturally, Mata also shares some commonalities with previous Lazarus malware in their configuration. So um, in some of the previous Lazarus malware, uh, there's configurations that use like unique session IDs, sleep interval times, uh, the number of C2s uh, that are being used. And comparing that pattern with what is detected in Mata, there is uh, a very, very, very similar structure there. So they're not identical. It's not a one for one, but there's definitely a pattern. And you can only do so much with attribution, and you can only speak of it in confidence in, in terms of confidence levels. But Kaspersky did a really good job here in saying like they have a high confidence on associating these with uh, these this modern malware with Lazarus Group. Excellent. Thank you so much for going into all that detail, Tarek. That was fantastic and incredibly helpful. And I think the last question I'd like to ask you is really how concerned are you about this new framework? And do you see other nation states taking a similar approach to try to do it and accomplish exactly what Lazarus is going about doing? Yeah, you know, I'm not particularly concerned about the Mata framework explicitly. Um, you know, all, um, you know, both attackers, uh, script kiddies, um, people doing red team operations, um, APT groups, this whole spectrum of, of attackers, um, they're all leveraging frameworks. Um, they're all leveraging, you know, uh, Kodiak or Metasploit or Empire or even rolling their own. Um, it's just a matter of just being a little bit more effective than writing your own malware from scratch and spinning up your own listeners and your own and your own infrastructure by hand every time. 
So it's really just like an efficiency thing, um, but it's used by every attacker across the spectrum. Um, so Mata, I'm not explicitly uh, concerned about. Um, a lot of the capabilities such as, you know, being able to encrypt data in transit and do things to, um, you know, remain undetected are really used all over the board. So, you know, Mata, I'm not concerned with. Um, I'm more concerned with uh, Lazarus Group continuing its operations. Uh, I think that's more of a concerning thing than the tools that they use. So there's script kitties, and then the the meow attack people are script kitties. Oh man! <laughs> yes, I like it. I like it. <laughs> oh my gosh! Okay, with all of that, Chad, you've heard Tark's rundown. What would you rate this at for the hoodie rating? Yeah, this. Um, you know, I'll put it at uh, 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 yeah, seven out of ten. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to go with seven out of ten just because um, I guess to me, this shows a little bit of a, um, you know, like having their own custom framework um, and kind of developing this is like Lazarus Group getting a little bit more um, complex. Like normally when we think about North Korea, it's all like, oh, they're just out there looking to steal money. Um, you know, usually those those groups like, I have a lot of the same objectives as cybercrime groups um, with a, like some light espionage. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I would think that this shows they're getting a little bit more complex. They're looking like forward to a future um, of a lot more attacks, maybe looking to um, up the uh, frequency at which they're able to act. And the goal of that is, you know, with this framework is to like be able to have, um, you know, some underlings and script kitties that maybe aren't as, um, network savvy, be able to go and run tooling that they create. So, um, yeah, I'd probably put it seven or eight just because, um, I think it shows a little bit of forward thinking to create some framework and, um, uh, you know, want to use that to expand your, you know, frequency and area of operation. This APT group is the Joanne fabrics of frameworks. Um, all right, Tark, what do you think? Well, I'm going to be a copycat. Hey. <laughs> yes. Got to be uh, kidding gonna, me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm going to be a copycat here. And, uh, with, you know, with Chad's score, I uh, I think it highlights, I think Mata's probably been around for a while, but I think it highlights a really good point Chad called out, which is how do you scale out your attack operations while lowering the technical barrier, right? So you can have operators who don't know how to write malware um, leverage the Mata framework to still execute those attack operations with. Um, so it's it really just speaks to scaling out. It really speaks to, um, you know, furthering casting that net. Um, and so I think we can expect to see, you know, really depending on how long Mata's been around for, but I think we can expect to see Lazarus kind of rear its head uh, a little bit more and more now. Excellent. Well, thank you both for your detailed deep dives into both of those articles. But it's time for a very important game, Two Truths and a Lie. So this is what's going to happen. Chad is going to be reading three article titles. Two are true. One is a lie. So Tarek and I are going to try to sniff out Chad's shenanigans. And if so, we get a point. But if Chad denies us truth he gets a point all right you guys ready so ready all right all right here we go 
So, new GNU TLS bug can be used to passively decrypt TLS 1.2 to 1.0 connections and also passively intercept TLS 1.3 sessions, trivially. Number two is Garmin experiences ransomware attack with attackers demanding 10 million in response to decrypt user data. And then number three is COVID-19 vaccine development targeted by APT28, AKA Fancy Bear. Ooh, do you mind if I go first, Kelsey? Do it. I'm gonna go with the COVID vaccine. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's uh, APT28. Chad, I'm gonna agree with Tark and say we are immune to your lying. And if we're both wrong, this is going to be very embarrassing. <laughs> but the pun was so good, though. Well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I, I would like you both to know that uh, the open database, which stores your scores, is going to get a meow attack because <laughs> you're both right. And I can't have you be having those points. Yes. yes! Meow. Sweet. Meow. Meow. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah, it was uh, APT29, Cozy Bear, that was going after the uh, COVID vaccines. Ooh. Yeah. So a, a different bear, a bear of a different color. <laughs> Unbearable. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Putin in a different tracksuit. Oh. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I just have to say that if you're enjoying what's happening right now, you could be working with all three of us. Um, we're hiring a security researcher right now. So if anybody is interested, please feel free. You can just DM either the domain tools or account on Twitter or just any of these folks here. Uh, good old Piffy on Twitter, which is Chad, and T Salasek, which is Tarek, or Puns and Roses, which is myself. And um, yeah, you could you could work with Chad and Tarek. It, uh, it's it's really an amazing job. I can't emphasize enough how, uh, at least for me, it's one of those jobs where I can't believe I get paid to do this kind of fun stuff. So if you, uh, if you have any security chops and you maybe want to get out of doing blue team stuff and get into some proactive stuff, this is a really fun gig. Must be able to quote most of the movie hackers, though. So study up. <laughs> Mandatory. Yeah, we're, we're much, more, uh, much more hackers and uh, the movie and much less Tom Clancy novel around here. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, it's really so great to be back podcasting with you two. It's nice to have you back audience. And of course, we'll be back next week with another episode of Breaking Badness. That's about all we have for this week. You can find us on Twitter at Domain Tools. All of the articles and IOCs mentioned today will be included in our blog post, which can be found at domaintools.com slash resources slash podcasts. Catch us every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time when we publish our podcast and blog. That's all we have for this week. We'll see you next week on another episode of Breaking Badness. Until then, remember, don't drink and click. <laughs>